you know what? I, I, that's easy because I had about eight of those in, in the end of September, which isn't that long ago from the date today that we're speaking. And that is waking up with a percolating pot of coffee on, camping, of course. Crows are, are wake, woken up by crows, heading out on a steamy lake because it's cold and finding a patch of bugs peeling off as the sun's starting to heat up the lake at about 10-ish. And you just know the fish are going to come in and feed. You're not marking any fish, but you know this place is, this flat, this mud shot is going to light up within the hour. Throw an anchor down there and just whale on fish for four or five hours. Head back, cook a steak, play some music, dance around a fire, go to bed. There's my day. I love that. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the folks at the Fly Crate. Get double the flies when you join their monthly fly club for a fun way to learn fly fishing and discover new flies each month. Just use the code DOUBLETHEFLIES at checkout or stock up on flies for your next trip and get free shipping on all orders of $15 or more. Go to www.theflycrate.com to adventure by the fly. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Today, really my pleasure to have on a, a good buddy and somebody I've been trying to get on the podcast for a long time. Colin Mottershead, a.k.a. Sheffy, out of Penticton, British Columbia, Canada. He's an avid stillwater fly fisher, fly tire chef, and all-around crony slayer. Colin, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Uh, yeah, it's taken some time to get me on your program, but uh, happy to be here. I always like to start out the show with a, a little history about yourself. I mean, I, you and I have been friends a long time, but I got to be honest, I don't know really how you even got started in fly fishing. How did how did it uh, kind of work out for you, Cole? Well, you'd have to go back to uh, a lake you're probably familiar with. Uh, Yellow Lake is some of my earliest memories with Dad. That was Worm and Bobber all the way for sure back in the early 70s. Yeah. And then uh, my memories are... Trolling, uh, trolling Spratleys on, on Penasque Lake with Dad and Grandpa, you know, in the in the late seventies, early eighties. Right. Hey, hey, do you know the uh, do you know the name of my cat? By the way. No. Is His name's Spratley. <laughs> and that, that's that's no joke. <laughs> that name comes I up have a, a lot. Ten-year-old cat named Spratley. Is he is he kind of green with a silver rib and a pheasant tail? <laughs> No, that's a, that's a long story in the name of that family cat, but uh, we won't go there tonight. So, so tell me, so how did you get? Okay, you got. I I know you're back in the day. You're you're as most of us started out fishing kind of worm and bobber and 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 that the old uh, red and white bobber out there on the float. How how did you kind of transition into fly fishing? Where did you come to find that? Yeah, so I recall, like I said, on Penasque Lake trolling uh, trolling red sproutleys and green sproutleys, and then I think. The fly fish in Sirius Park came in my in my twenties, and I'll tell you something. You were part of that too. I remember heading down to Canadian Tire Rack in uh, 
96 saying, hey, Mark, we should go fly fishing. <laughs> and uh, my wife and I had just been trolling flies. You know what? That's a beautiful lake. You can go try that lake out. And uh, and that was that was one memory I do have. When when you say that lake, you're not naming that lake. Oh, I can't name that oh, lake, but uh, I like it. it. It was fun. And and then it just and then and then you get guy watches some TV. You know, he's watching a little a little uh, Don Freshy sports fishing on the fly. He's watching. Right. You know. He's reading. He's watching Pennington, sports fishing on the fly, and he he needs more knowledge. And then you're buying Brian Chan's book, you know, strategy of of stillwater fly fishing, and you're just your thirst for knowledge is is out of control. And and there you go. The next thing you know, you you have a, a basement room full of all your needs for fly fishing that is locked, so your wife can't get in there and see what's in there. Well, I, I know firsthand you're a guy that's like all in. So when you get into fly, you're the only guy I know. And I know a lot of people do this. I know a lot of people keep journals and take notes, but we'll be out in the lake and I'll say, Hey, Colin, uh, what were you, what should we use? And well, let me just pull up the notes here. Well, about four years ago on a sunny <laughs> Thursday, it was 57 degrees Fahrenheit and we were uh, fishing black and silver cronies in eight feet of water. I'm like, yeah, that's I, important, Mark. Well, when you have a memory like mine, it is, but I don't know how you, I mean, it's good to do that. You take the time. Do you find that helps your fishing? I find it, it produces a little bit extra confidence in what you're doing. Right. And that little bit extra confidence some days makes a difference. Other days it can be deflating and your buddies are going, yeah, what does this guy know? But Generally, it, it works out very well. Mark. Well, you, it generally works out well. You're you're kind of known for fishing crannies pretty much. <laughs> I don't want to say all year, but <laughs> but there's not. A, I mean, you do fish your dragons and 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 some some leeches, but you're definitely you're the crony yeah. guy in my mind. Well, it's a puzzle I love to figure out on every lake, and it's available. That puzzle's available from April till uh, October. Yeah, it really is, and. Uh, and I have my little punt, and that's what I like yeah, to do. Yeah, talk about your setup. I know, I know you're pretty proud of the setup you got. Now we're talking, just so you understand where we're at here is uh, Stillwaters, Interior, British Columbia. Not a lot of moving water in these parts. They call it's mostly. I mean, right. it's mostly. Let's face it, indicator fishing or um, cast and retrieve, or maybe down deep with a dragon. But t- t- tell tell us about your setup, the, what you're fishing out of, and how you, how you like to work that. Well, Mark, I, I I love fishing out of my little eight foot Spratly. It's got uh, it's one hundred and ten pounds soaking wet, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and I rig up the uh, the anchor system, couple rod holders, and a little holder for my fishing buddy one twenty there, and and uh, there's a hell of a dance floor in the in the back there, and yeah, it's just perfect. You know, it take no power at all to go anywhere on the lake, and and she's solid in the wind and solid to net fish, and I love it. Love it. One thing I learned from you a lot fishing over the years is how important the throat sample is. Now, not of course, you got to catch a fish to get a sample, so I don't get a lot of samples. <laughs> but you, <laughs> yeah, right. you take you take more <laughs> throat samples of of feeding fish than anybody I know. Well, it depends on what's going on that day, Mark. I mean. 
it's you'll take intervals throughout the day if uh if fishing's going well if it's not going well then you may take uh more than than necessary because you probably know the end result anyways there's daphne or really small shrimp in there and yeah. and, and you're pissed off regardless but uh <laughs> throw samples are important at the beginning of the day in the middle of the day and the end of the day if you're on there all day well when you're fishing chronomids things change they change and 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 specifically where in the water column they're taking those chronomids because what you're seeing at the surface is often quite different than what's happening 10 12 feet down below well most certainly is and, and quite often throw something a little smaller a little different maybe even bigger and different mm-hmm. or skinnier or fatter it, it can change things in the in the middle of a major hatch it's funny I've, I've seen crazy things for heaven's sakes throw down chronomids that you've that one you tied and went oh, that'll never work and see you only tied one and then you're in the middle of a hatch and you're like hmm, i'm not pounding them why not throw something different just for fun and then it lasts eight seconds in the water and it's, it rips three fish out in, in 15 minutes. It's like, Oh, that was fun. Well, you're talking about the size of those crony patterns, chronomid patterns. And yeah, uh, a, a good buddy of mine, I know quite well says thin to win. That, that, <laughs> I mean, talk about that. Yeah. You, you are always saying that thin to win. And when I started tying chronomids, they were too big and they were too fat, but maybe speak to that a little bit. I know you kind of um, feel strongly about this. I've I, I've always preached that to you. Obviously, uh, I think you might have referenced me perhaps a couple of times on your show. But uh, you know, like just on like a little, like on a, a little small eighteen size. Let's say like a Mustad C forty nine S. That is a really thin hook, and and sometimes I'll just want to have literally one wrap of a of a of a gray thread, you know, on the butt of that, mm. and then and put nine wraps and before I even double that up when I come back down. We're talking that thin. And even this year, I was fishing with a good buddy of mine out of Kelowna, and, and I thought I was spinning the wind. He was just nailing him on this lake, about two to one. To me, I couldn't. I was like, what the heck is going on here? Mm-hmm. The end of the day, we uh, actually it wasn't even the end of the day. I think it was about three weeks later on Kid Lake, and uh, – and, and I, I had an impressive day out there on him and outfished him much more significantly than he did to me three weeks prior. Right. So I said, well, should we compare uh, boxes? And the, the fly I was referring to three weeks earlier, probably the thinnest, skinniest fly, chronomid size 16 I've ever seen. Mm. You can, and I mean, I needed a magnifying glass to see the colors of ribs he's putting on there. But right. He absolutely slayed it on it. Good stuff. Hey, I'm going to fire some fast questions at you because I got a little inside knowledge here, and you, these are just these are just oh boy. straight ahead. Oh, no. You're, no prep. You're eh? in for it now. Off the cuff, I don't, you say. I don't believe in prep. Dry fly or wet fly? Wet fly. Favorite boat right now? Spratly. Favorite tunes to listen to on the way to the water? Mm, ooh, that's tough. On, well, it's usually, uh, ooh, you got me there. Next. <laughs> Come on. You got more than that. I, I know. I'm like Family Feud. Come okay. back to it. Shannon Sharp or Terrell Davis? Terrell Davis. Favorite crony pattern? Um, time out. I'm actually wearing a Broncos jersey right now. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> 
and it's it's my number seven, and you know it well. <laughs> but I'm wearing it right now because it happened to be up at the cabin here. That I'm like, I have more than that. That's, Carry that on. Sounds like fly time gear. Um, sounds like beer drinking. Favorite go to fly fishing meal. Is that camping yeah. or prior? You're camping. You're you got your tent trailer, and and there's no pavement for miles. Uh, a bolognese, spaghetti bolognese. Ah, giddy up. With garlic. And sauce. what's the beverage? Budweiser. <laughs> just, <laughs> just checking. All right. <laughs> Love it. Hey, so we talked a little bit about how you got into fly fishing. One thing I want to ask you is who, who have you been influenced by? You, you did mention maybe watching a little sport fishing on the fly, programs like that growing up. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it certainly wasn't the Eastern Shoals catching bass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the boys back there. It was. Oh, it was definitely like sports fishing on the fly, and and uh, yeah, Mark Pennington. What was it? What was his yeah, program there? That uh, was, well, sport fishing. He's, he's a local sports boy. Sports fishing BC, I think. Yeah, sports fishing BC. I mean, remember that episode when he was on on our one of our local waters there pay lake down south and he had that episode cat uh mayfly hatch and he was literally covered in them did, did yeah, you ever see that I one did. mark did. it was ridiculous yeah. the fish were slurping those things up like crazy and, i mean he couldn't have picked a better day for the show he probably probably was one of the five i guess but it was amazing yeah no that yeah i know exactly what you're talking about it was a good show um, yeah. Anybody else I mean, come to mind? Know, Brian Chan was Brian Chan. That, Brian Chan was, uh, and Phil Rowley had those programs on as well. Mm-hmm. They were uh, like spots, I think, on some program. Yeah. So that's that, that's what it was. I mean, that's because of course that was before the internet was popular as it was as it is now. Right. You couldn't you couldn't couldn't research that stuff, or I didn't, anyways. Yeah. It just sort of clicked the channel on, right? Nowadays, you can go online and. Wow, the information you can find online is unbelievable. Well, you're not you're the number one guy I know for as we call Intel. So, uh, you know, you're working your cell phone, you're working you're working your trap lines as far as uh, who's fishing where, who's using what, how deep, what color. You know what I mean? Like y- you research harder than anybody I know, and I think I think that's gotta gotta help on the water. Well, it definitely does, and you know what? And, and to get help on the water, you got to help on the water. It's, it goes both ways. So you have you got your mm-hmm. yeah, you got your trap line. You got your buddies in different cities, and, and everybody's traveling, fishing, as I do myself. Probably fish fifty days a summer, and and I'm happy to to tell everybody what's happening. And uh, of course, I've taken guys there the next day, and it's not what happened the day before. So so uh, it's not like you're giving away the world because you never know in this game that we play. But um, yeah, the communication's great. Yeah, it, it works well for I, everybody. Well, generally talking about communication, I know a lot of times you'll hit a lake with a buddy or a friend, and you'll get out there with the the radios and actually kind of do a little discovery. Yeah, you know that's that's the way to do it with uh, with your buddy or with a couple of buddies because. Some of these lakes, yeah, they're big, and uh, you got to explore. So, uh, yeah, I do like to carry radios, and uh, I'll radio my buddy if I find a patch fish that I, I can get working on, and, and vice versa. And mm-hmm. Sometimes that could be the only thing happening for two hours, and 
and the other the other side of that you work that and then uh guy can go adventure and search something somewhere else and that's a good way it's a good way to fish with your friend where do you like to go to talk fishing is there a local watering hole or fly shop or a coffee shop where do you get your fix you know what it's on this device i'm talking to you on right now it's like it's the cell phone and it's phoning guys like you and phoning and uh you know talking to talking to friends get home from fishing you're excited you uh you you talk to talk phone your buddies and share that information you know what they get excited next thing you know they're fishing two days later three days later and you're getting that call four days after that telling you what they had or didn't have and that that's my that's where i like to talk i like to i like to just communicate Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely Hey, I'm going to ask you to kind of get um, a little artsy here. Paint a pic- <laughs> a picture of your favorite day. If you could have any day your way on the water, what does that look like? When does it start in the morning? What are you, what are you targeting? Explain. Oh, man. You know what? I, I, that's easy because I had about eight of those in, in the <laughs> end of September, which isn't that long from the date today that we're speaking. Right, and that is waking up with a percolating pot of coffee on, camping, of course. Crows are are wake woken up by crows, <laughs> heading out on a steamy lake because it's cold, and finding a patch of bugs, peeling off as the sun's starting to heat up the lake at about tenish, and you just know the fish are going to come in and feed you're not marking any fish but you know this place is this flat this mud flat is going to light up within the hour throw an anchor down there and just wail on fish for four or five hours head back cook a steak play some music dance around a fire go to bed there's my day i love that I'm, I'm all in, man. That, that you know what? You got the juices going there. <clears throat> I just wanted to start throwing a line. That's <laughs> that's good stuff. Well, that's that's what I live for. Hey, if you could change something, Colin, about fly fishing, is there anything you'd like to see us do differently, or maybe we can do better? You know, I heard you ask people that before, <laughs> and I'll tell you something that I. What I that has changed that I like. How about that? Yeah. What I what has changed in the recent, you know, five to eight years is that people are really sharing their experiences. You know, people say online fishing and all this is is ruining fishing. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm the opposite of that. What I've found is that people are sharing a lot of knowledge online as far as us flies and, and fly tying recipes i mean there's amazing things happening on there and and, there, and there's an overabundance of it and you pick the ones and that you like and to give it a go and you'd be, you'd be amazed at what's what you can do with online surfing whatever you call it checking out what guys are tying because they're sharing out there and there's some good stuff. There's some really good stuff. Yeah, it always And am- I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's nothing better than 
going, okay, I saw, I had the, a certain mayfly hatch today. Let's Google that, find out what, you know, what, first off, what exactly was the insect that was popping? And secondly, let's see some patterns that people are tying. Yeah. Yeah. And like the guys that are graciously, and I say that like big time graciously, and, and these are guys that have been on your show, Mark. They're, mm-hmm. they're so good. And, um, they graciously show it what they're tying and you go through your, your supplies and you're like, Oh, I don't quite have that. So then what you do is you do the best you can do with what materials you have on your bench. Mm -hmm. And then you take it out into, into the field and you catch a fish or three or four or five on it. And then you give one to your buddy and he catches two or three. It's like, Oh man, that is fantastic. Right. Yeah. You're so happy. And you're so thankful that you got taught how to tie a, a new pattern. And then somehow, because you didn't have those exact materials, you made it your own. And now you're hired in a kite because this is this is my fly now. Yeah. No, I, I hear I you. I mean, how awesome is that? Yeah. No, the... you, couldn't, you couldn't. When I started tying flies back in the back in the early '90s, this this wasn't available. Yeah. That's something too. You the know. how about the materials now that you have access to? I mean, it's oh my god, it's kind of overwhelming when you get in. I know, I know you frequent trout waters a lot, but you, I mean, just picture yourself staring at those walls. It's like, okay, I just came in for some chenille. I got about four oh, racks Christ. to pull through. To, you don't. Oh, <laughs> it's so... I, last spring, Mark. Last spring, Mark. I was so out of control on the materials I was buying. If you, you know, it's like chinook wind outfitters. What? They have fly tying gear. I'd never heard of them. Holy. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just spent $4 million at Togans. Okay. Well, I better see what they have. And then you're buying some crazy stuff. And then you're online looking at another pattern that the guy tied. He, he, he references one material and you're like, yeah. wait a minute. Where do you get that? You go I down. Have that. You go down a rabbit <laughs> hole, right? <laughs> Yeah. holy moly I, I was out of control i have to admit lost control of my purchases online it's like tying materials last way yeah well that that's why you're catching all those fish in the open water season yeah you know what you know you always end up fishing with the silly freaking size 16 um anti-static bag black rib orange collar <laughs> you know? yeah but I think I've seen you do some damage with that. No, you always go back to the basics. So tell me a little bit about your tying habits. Um, how, speak to that as as part of the full package when it comes to fly fishing, Colin. Like, what does tying bring to your life? Tying brings joy. That's, uh, as you may not all know, I work all winter pretty much every day. I have a, a restaurant at a ski hill, so... When I get off the rock, as I say, in April, it's fishing time. And nothing brings me more delight than uh, oh, saying hi to my family. I come home and uh, <laughs> start tying flies. Yep. And uh, I have a bench overloaded with uh, corp- copious amounts of flies, yep. tying material. So- and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I start building boxes. I always buy, always buy two fly boxes a year brand new ones just because i want to tie into new boxes yeah call me 
I don't know why I do that, but I do it. No, I get that. There's something about when when you you spend all winter time, you got this kind of arsenal of patterns you're looking forward to putting somewhere, and then it's like a an old used fly box that do you know what I mean? Doesn't cut it. It's a fresh, clean slate. I got to do clean slate. Yeah, and then I when all the buddies want flies, I I give them the off the year two or three box. <laughs> oh, you want? Oh, yeah, I got I got some broncos here we go and i'll pull them out of the the basement here you go. have those ones but um just yeah you, you know i i love it mark i you've got all these I nicknames love, for I all these i'll love. never forget the nicknames you have for flies because uh, you'll just mm-hmm. yell over uh using a bronco nobody else knows what the heck you're talking about but <clears throat> no well, you're right and it's it's what what is that it's like an iridescent kind of orange body chronomid with the blue is it orange and blue so what it is, it's the rusty brown th- uh, UTC 70 thread. Right. Tied them. That's it's your base thread. And then you see so you tie your tapered body with that. And then you throw a little anti-static over top of that and throw use your, your rusty for a collar. And, uh, of course, your uh, uni thread gill and tungsten black bead. And that's the Bronco, orange and blue. Yeah. I used to, oh, pardon me. I missed out. You rivet with a blue wire small blue wire right hmm. that's a pretty effective pattern for you in the still waters and uh oh, interior oh, it's ridiculous yeah yeah it's pretty pretty silly did it's you funny i i i i don't i don't use it as much as uh my buddy still lives off of that one but i've moved on and to some newer patterns but that's a, that's a good staple it's worked well with our waters that you know of of course in the south okanagan do you find that you find it funny though how um you'll come up with a pattern that is so successful and you believe you buy into it you buy into it and then you know you look back five years and you're probably not even fishing that pattern anymore that is a classic calling right there well we all do it and i it, get everybody all hyped up on it and i fill everybody's boxes with it and then i I don't even, I don't even know what it is. Well, that's like when the, I remember the, down the road and, and I asked him, what are you catching on? Oh, we're catching it on the, uh, the Billy doodad. And I'm like, well, what the hell is that? And then they'll show me the down there. I'm like, well, I tied that. <laughs> like, well, I know you did. It's the Billy doodad. I'm like, oh, I don't know that. Other than I know I tied that. <laughs> I, forgot, I don't even have one of those in my box. <laughs> the old like, Billy doodad. Okay. Yeah. The old tickler, right? <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't a green Spratly? <laughs> yeah, well, those work pretty much everywhere, don't they? It's been a long time since I tried one, to be honest with you. But I, one of the biggest fish I ever caught was on a red Spratly. Well, I thought you tried one the other day when we were fishing uh, <laughs> down the road there. <laughs> no, no, no. Easy now. Right. Um, <laughs> hey, do you know that, I forgot to tell you this, my friend, but Around the same time we were fishing that particular lake, the guys were actually nailing them long line in 30 feet. I'm not surprised because the only fish and that I was caught. Well, three days before we were there. Yep. I had two buddies down there and they were long line in 30 feet and they couldn't keep them off. Well, it's funny you said that because the makes only. Sense. Well, I was catching them on a um, super fast sink line, um, mm-hmm. fishing it vertically and just pulling it back really mm-hmm. slowly. Sorry, we're yeah, we're, and you were like right in that twenty-three foot water. Yeah, and we're just about forty feet away from that. If we would have done that, you would have been non-stopping it. 
It's funny how you were, you were that close to a ridiculous day, and then we all would have gone on out. Yeah, well, and that's no idea. that's the beautiful thing about having a few people, friends around you on the water. If something's not working, you kind of get to experiment, see what other people are doing. Because when you're trying to figure out the puzzle on your own, sometimes it's kind of overwhelming. Oh, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard if you don't if you don't get it right away. When I say right away, I mean within two hours. After a couple hours, and you don't get the puzzles, like, hmm. yeah. Ooh, I wish I wish I had I wish I had a, a radio and a friend working the other side or or whatever. But do you yeah. do you remember the first time you effectively fished chronomid patterns? Hmm. <laughs> like really? Like yeah. Do yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Was it red and black? I do remember. No, it was. Um, it's a good story. I was uh, headed to uh, Salmon Lake, Brunel. Mm-hmm. My wife was about nine and a half months pregnant, right? and uh, and I was I'd not fish much. And I said, well, I'm gonna buzz down Sawmill and go fish for a couple hours. And this is back when you used to take me there fishing shrimp. Mm-hmm. Good God, that was disastrous. But anyways. I had a uh, really thick size 14 black thread, silver rib, white head, knot with a big tag about four feet long hanging off of it, I'm sure. And like my <laughs> belly boat, and I threw this thing down on a bobber. I don't, know, I don't even think it was a Phil Rowley. I don't know what it was. And holy moly. I was just nailing fish. Probably caught about 10 in two hours. I said the deal was I'd go fish for three hours. So two hours, thinking about 10 fish, which is 10 times more than I ever caught in the lake. Isn't that... That's, I'll never forget it. It's life-changing. Like, And for, for, for those that haven't experienced chronomet or midge fishing on still waters, when it's on, there's nothing... In my mind, there's nothing like it. Mark, there is nothing like it. Like I'm talking, I'd take that, Colin, over a, a huge caddis hatch on a dry fly. I just, there's something about that indicator going down, down, down. And, and the fish take it with such, like with no hesitation. Yes, when it's out of control, bobber, double bobber, just insane. There's nothing like that rush. Yeah. And I, I agree. I agree with the caddis thing. The caddis is amazing. Yeah, but it doesn't happen at that at that frequency. Exactly. You know. Yeah, it's like I remember hitting a, a stonefly hatch on a river near here that was like it was like that. It was lights out, but there was something to be said when there's barely anything going on on the water around you, and you're fishing like twelve to fifteen feet straight down, and or deeper. You have no idea the fish are there, but your indicator's going down, and yeah, it's uh, it's pretty addictive. Oh, it's insane! It's insane. Yeah, I mean, holy Christmas! When you when you can go out for four or five hours and catch thirty to forty fish, that's just stupid. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. There's not a lot of different ways you can do that. I mean, we've had some days like that on balanced leeches, or, um, but it's it's uh, that's kind of your go-to, isn't it? That's kind of your comfort zone. Would you say, crony fishing? You know, Mark, that's that's is definitely what I strive for. But, you know, don't kid yourself. I, I am 
I am fully equipped with uh, no less than eight fly boxes in there. I'm packing no less than 2,000 flies at every, <laughs> you know, in my boat. And um, if I need to throw a little uh, dirgy damsel, marabou dirgy damsel, I'm all over that. Yeah, you've you've done some business on that before too. On a, it's a, like a tan kind of uh, marabou, isn't it? Yeah, that ginger marabou fly mm. out with a gold bead. Small, mm. extra small. Oh, yeah, just on a little scud, all about the tail. Yep. Super fun fly. Love that fly. So you got any like of all your time on the water, Colin? Like think back. You got any crazy fish stories or anything weird that's happened to you? in your time on the water oh man uh yeah how many you want yeah. i got a list of those Throw them at sure. me. wow um okay well how about this one um i caught the same fish chronic fishing caught the same fish probably within 20 less than 20 minutes of catching it <laughs> The same bloody fish. And the only reason I knew the same fish is at this particular lake, you know, they, they get deformity. So this thing had a set of lips that had nothing to do with its face. They were hanging on the side of it. I mean, I don't know how this thing could even eat. Right. But uh, it was pretty obvious that that was the same fish. And I caught that, yeah, within half hour. I was like, holy Christmas. <laughs> it was a big hatch, right? But uh, that was pretty funny. Wow. Yeah. Um, another one, yeah, well, another good lake there up on the connector. This is one of my favorites. We were fishing pretty good karate hatch again in June, and and uh, it's getting pretty crowded over this one patch. So, uh, good friend of mine from Kelowna, he, he just went way over the other side of the lake and fished this edge that I didn't even ever fish before. And uh, we went away, went about our day, and he was definitely catching fish. And we met up back on the beach there at the end of the day and talked about our day. And I knew he caught a ton of fish, and we caught a ton of fish. And I said, "Hey, I got, I got a little bonus today. I got a, I got a fly." And he says, "Oh, really? I got snapped off today. What is it?" And I said, "Well, it's a little damsel pattern." He says, "Shut up." Wait, let me get me out of my box. So I pull it out of my box, and son of a gun, it's a, it's his fly that he tied. No <laughs> doubt about it. He, you know, he got snapped off, and the fish cruised over, and and I managed to catch him. I saw thought that was, that was pretty cool. That is, I have not heard that before. <clears throat> no, I don't. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was a good one. That was my good friend Wade from Kelowna there. And then one of my favorites, so Mark, was up at Red Lake there on my uh, my annual migration that I go to. And uh, this is a, right in the middle of a silly comedy. This fish jumps from behind my back, <clears throat> comes up, bounces off the, the middle bench of my boat, out the other side. <laughs> now, I just caught him coming out the other side because I didn't see him coming up. And I heard the sound, looked over the right shoulder. Fortunately, down he goes. Holy crow, that's my that's my that's my line. Grab it. He goes around the anchor. And now I'm like, oh, here okay. All right. 
So I do a Brian Champ, put the rod on the anchor, bring him up, land him, net him, nice little five-pound rainbow. I call it the uh, <laughs> the bench bounce Brian Champ. <laughs> and, oh, did I, did I mention there's about eight boats around watching the whole thing? <laughs> That's good stuff. It was wonderful. You can't, it was you, wonderful. Some of that stuff, you just can't make it up. You could try. Yeah. I know. I mean, I've had multiple fish jump in the boat. You know, my son's had it land in his lap. I had one hit my motor just about six weeks ago, come up and flopped off the back of the motor of the boat and <laughs> fall in the water. I, I wasn't even looking. I was setting up fly line number two. All of a sudden, <laughs> it came out, bounced off the motor. What was that? I guess I guess I had a fish. Back to tying on Cronobin number two, Rod. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it, Mark? Let's let's talk bucket list. I wanna know I wanna know your bucket list. So have you got like two, uh, three, four, five places you really want to go? Yeah, of course. Where, of course. I got a feeling I know a couple, but uh yeah. where are you thinking? Yeah. Well, obviously I wanna get down to Strobel. That's just that's gonna happen one day. Mm-hmm. Got to get down. Got to get down there. Um, you know, and, and I have relatives close to Pyramid too. I wouldn't mind doing that. I think you and I should do that one day. Yeah, no. it's not that hard to do. We should throw a football game in there, and you know, we'd be good to go, right? You ring the ladder. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> no, no, no. I know you. I know that you know a guy that will get us a ladder. <laughs> yeah, but that—that's definitely—that's um, a good one. What else? Yeah, I'd like to, well, you know, Fortress was always on my, uh, on my bucket list when I was, uh, you know, just sort of getting serious into the, into the gig here. I think that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I'd be, although after, yeah, I'm not sure about that anymore. You're talking about I mean, those brookies large. Brookies are brookies, right? Yeah, but yeah, you know what? Brookies. They're pretty you know fish. What? They are pretty fish. And, you know, uh, a New Zealand, going to New Zealand, which which will happen in my life, for sure. I want to go fish mice on New Zealand rivers. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think, Mark? Big browns right off the bank. Huge browns, stripping mice. Clear water. I mean, I've seen you, I've seen you strip mice in rivers and <laughs> in BC, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I mean, once in a while, I to go to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, right? big, I got this one mouse pattern in my fly box that when I'm really desperate and there's big fish around, it's coming out. It looks more like a giant beaver or, uh, you know, a, a large muskrat. But it, Honestly, I thought you were trying to sink my pontoon boat that day. <laughs> okay. Enough of that. Throwing that at me. So, <laughs> you know what, Carl? I want to thank you so much for coming on, man. I, I really... Uh, We've been working on this for a while, and I'm going to have you back on because uh, I want to I want to talk flying uh, fly tying flies more with you, and I also want to talk about uh, kind of the season. Just uh, before I let you go, what did you what was your takeaway this season? Was it a decent fly fishing season for you? Uh, yeah, Mark, it was it was a good spring. It really was. Yeah, yeah. The the water levels in our southern you know southern BC. They weren't crazy. They were sort of almost back to normal as far as, uh, you know, the aquifers and, and spring runoff and all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I found that, um, you know, again, going back to that journal, that 
that things happen a little bit earlier than the, 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 the last two prior flood years, which caught me off guard and for, in a good way in a couple of lakes, actually. So you never know. You got you know, you know how you know what's going on on a lake, Mark? You just got to get out there, right? That's right. You just got to get out there. Yeah, and then secondhand reports that are two weeks late, things change quickly. You know, you know, you know what those are good for? They're good for a beer over the phone chat. That's about it. You just got to get out there. <laughs> I love it. Thanks again, Colin. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome, Mark. You've been listening to a chat with Colin Modersett, a.k.a. Sheffy, out of Penticton, British Columbia, Canada. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Thank you.